a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Oakland Supercross Review. Lots to talk about when it comes to this race, and uh, what an insane race from so many different angles. The track helped, and uh, some controversial passes, and uh, some unexpected results, and uh, yeah, man, let's let's dive into it. Thanks to Fly Racing for making this podcast happen. They're the title sponsor of this. FlyRacing.com, please, you can get the same gear that Weston Pike and Blake Baggett wore last night, the Seven Deuce Deuce, among others. Uh, check out their 2018 line now, the F2 Carbon Helmet with MIPS. Straight, straight off the showroom, right onto these guys' heads, and uh, Baggett Podium last night wearing Fly Racing. So, which is uh, great for those guys. Also, too, presented by Alpine Stars and Max's Tires. Alpine Stars, the Tech 10. You know this thing. It's been out for a number of years, and it's the benchmark boot in motocross. The Tech 10 further advances the innovations that make the most technical motocross boot ever. Uh, and Alpine Star protects with that, as well as the A4 chest protector. Uh, the A4 chest protector incorporates adjustable kidney straps. They're combined with thermoformed rib protection panels, the only professional rider's choice from Supercross to MXGP. GNCC and beyond, Alpine Stars protects Max's tires. The MXST tire is coming out soon. Are indeed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. So please check it out. Maxxis uh, delivers the best tires for your bike. Did you also know that Maxxis offers high-quality tires for your car, light truck, trailer, ATV, mountain bike, much more? Max's tires will let you hook up, pull the holy, and beat the competition. Any terrain or conditions, like I said, the MXST coming out soon. And uh, developed by Jeremy McGrath. I think I know something about tires, I'd say. Uh, all right, let's get into the Oakland Supercross and all that went down there. Lots to talk about, like I said. Uh, with me on the line to discuss this, a man who was not there. He was in North Carolina at home. Um, has not gone to Oakland for three, four, five, six years. Not really sure. He's the voice of GNCC. He's the voice of American Motocross. He's the voice of Flat Track. He's the voice of Geneva Supercross. He's the voice of my life. And he's my boss, Jason Wygant. Yeah. How many years of Oakland you skip now, Wygant? I think I've only gone twice, so I don't know what math that is. Actually, I went, I think I actually, it's only the second year in a row I've missed, but there were many misses before that. So that's uh, where it falls on the yeah. calendar. Put Oakland in the first four, and I'll be there. It's, uh, it's a hell of a stadium that you're missing out. It's a hell of a stadium. It's, it's a technological wonder of the world. You know, the stadium is terrible, no doubt, and I know people fear the neighborhood also, but 
for a Supercross perspective, I don't think anyone cares. It pretty much, because of the dirt and the weather and all that, turns out to be good racing every year. And I think as a fan, do people care beyond that? Like, this is going to go down as an epic race, and no one's going to remember that the stadium sucks. Well, I'm not happy with the press box facilities myself. <laughs> I'm sure people care about that. They don't. Very critical. They don't. Uh, also, hey, can I mention oh, one more thing while we're talking events? We have our uh, second annual Supercross hangout coming back. Big thanks to uh, the other person on the phone here for uh, stepping up. So uh, subscribe to Racer X right now, where we won't do these pods anymore. Uh, next issue of the magazine we just put to bed, we've covered each and every team in depth for the first uh, four rounds of racing. And one lucky subscriber will get to hang out with Mathis and I, or Mathis and JT, during the season. We'll give you an hour or an hour and a half in the pits. We'll get you lunch. We'll go to the trucks. We'll visit Filthy Phil and talk trash on him live and in person. Yep. So subscribe now. Uh, we're talking Minneapolis, Foxborough, Vegas, Salt Lake City, those races there in the middle of the season. It's going to be awesome. So maybe, sign up. Maybe I'll take you over to talk to Bam Bam. Maybe I'll <laughs> do that. guy now. Yeah. It's your guy. He's my guy. Uh, last year, one of the lucky hangout guys told me he was a huge Trey Kennard fan. Max from Fly Racing called him, texted him. He got me a jersey. It was very nice of Max. I'm not promising that, people, but these are the things that happens. Uh, for these Supercross hangouts with myself or JT or, or Weege. So, uh, this guy got a uh, Filthy Phil jersey. He got a Filthy Phil jersey also. And he also said he was a former jet ski racer, so we brought him over to Bruce Sternstrom, who used to run not Kawasaki's jet ski program, but the entire jet ski racing series. Yeah. And then they spent like an hour talking about old jet ski hulls and motors. That was, <laughs> I guess that's worth it. <laughs> Absolutely, right? Bruce yeah. Bruce will talk about anything for uh, for a long time, anything you want. Um does also, Bruce work, or does he just talk, have conversations all weekend? What does he actually do? I think he just has conversations. It's great, <laughs> though. Uh, also on the line from Fly Racing, uh, he is a former racer and uh, has some hot takes on this weekend's event. Jason Thomas, what's up, JT? I may have to temper my hot takes a little, but uh, uh, whoa, whoa, I was whoa, there whoa, what, 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 what happened? <laughs> I was there at least. It was, uh, you know, we go to a lot of races between the three of us. And I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I leave the races and I'm just like, I don't know how I'm going to do any of my work this week. That was a boring race. Nothing really happened. And I can't find anything interesting to really spend a whole week talking about. That was not the case this week. No. For that, I thank all of the racers for that. Uh, Glendale was fantastic. For many reasons, not not so much the race, but it was well. There was a it was a great race, and then this weekend was over the top. The last two weeks have been fantastic. The first two weeks we had major title contenders go down with shoulder injuries. It looked like oh boy, but uh, the season has rebounded nicely. Um, the last couple of weeks, it's been it's been terrific to to watch. Um, yeah. So, anyways, let's yeah let's get into it. Um, I had something I was going to say, but I forgot. Okay. Um, well, well, first of all. Uh, what a race. Jason Anderson won. Uh, pretty good practice crash. Tore his back all up um, from uh, the rear tire and uh, didn't look good in two out of the three practices. The last one, he held it together, I believe, and qualified decently. Um, and then uh, what a main event for him. This is it's kind of it's the kind of main event. Why can't that, you know, uh, it's early, but it's the kind of main event that champions are made of. That's that's what you want to see from a guy that crashed early in the day, you know, on a tough, gnarly track, and that was a great race by him. Look, man, I say every week on this show that I don't really want to give you credit, but I've, I've been forced to again, again. Your whole theory that Tomac was out of this was based on 
Yes, Anderson has been inconsistent, and these other riders have been inconsistent in the past. But generally, one rider does figure it out and figures out a way to be good every week and dominate and have the points lead, and they just figure it out. I mean, Dungey had to do it for the first time in his life one time. So did Villapoto. So did everybody. And as I see Anderson having a terrible night and ended up winning and Tomac having a bad night, yep. I'm just like, damn it, that, that's what you're talking about. Some guy every year just figures it out. Even And you, you can't figure it out once until you figure it out yeah. twice. Yeah. Like somebody's got to do it, and yeah. he's the one that's doing it. Yep. No, absolutely. I, uh, again, I was surprised that Roxon didn't win, like I said, in Houston. Also, the same kind of deal. I thought, I thought Kenny had it. He looked great. Well, first Seeley. When Seeley grabbed the lead, did all three of us think Seeley was going to win? I mean, RC did not. Ricky Carmichael did not. RC did not. I did not either. I just thought the twenty-one minutes is so long, man. I just <laughs> it is on that track. For whatever sure. reason, I just didn't think it was. He was riding so well, though. That's not a fly to him. I just thought something would happen on a track that treacherous. Well, hey, actually, before we get more into Anderson, um, let me ask you this, JT. It's something I brought up last night in the pits, and I'm not saying this is right. But do you think, like Dave Prater, Todd Gendro, do you think they get some phone calls from some VIPs and, and not the uh, Rocky Mountain VIPs and, and not the Chattery VIPs, the real VIPs in the sport? Do you think they get a phone call saying, what are you guys doing? Are you trying to kill our guys? Now, I'm not saying that that's right and that should happen because it, it's motocross and supercross. It's, but, dude, there had to have been some clenched up buttholes as millions of dollars went flying everywhere on that track last night off their motorcycles. Yeah, but what did they what did they do that you could point no, to? No, no, dude, I know. No, no, nothing, but I'm saying these guys aren't always reasonable. They're very biased, right? But the track I felt like the track was pretty easy. Like there was there was a rhythm section that they went, you know, they were going on off triple triple, like that's pretty basic, you know? And then there was another rhythm section that was kind of yeah. tough. Yeah. I mean, they can't control the dirt, you know. If it gets Listen, rough, I know. I'm. I know. Okay, I know. I know. I'm just. I'm making the point, though. Yeah. Go. Let's go back and look at the '90s. Do you remember? And I know you were there. Look, do you remember those tracks in the '90s? Oh like, God, yeah. Minneapolis. Like I remember watching Crest Day, and I've told this story before. Watching Crest Day in 1996, Jeff Emig was, or I'm sorry, Jeremy McGrath was rolling all three jumps of the triple because it was so rutted. Rolling all three jumps of the triple. Um. I'm not. I'm not saying that the track wasn't tough, and I'm not saying that guys shouldn't have. You know, crashes happen, but some of that stuff, guys have to back it down a little bit and not throw it away. Like that's part of racing. You can't just, you know, that that saying. I'm still going to send it. Like you can't just send it anyway because the track's gone away. Like you've got to race the conditions, and if it it means backing off five percent and finishing the race and and being smart, then that's what you got to yeah. do. Yeah, no, I'm all, I'm all for it. Did you put yourself on speakerphone or something? Because it sucks all of a sudden. I don't know what you did. I did not. Oh, I, no. there there we go. Whatever you did right there. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm not saying it's rightfully, but but holy smokes, man, there was some. I mean, even even the guys that didn't fall had some big ones or close to big ones. You know what I mean? And uh, so, anyways, yeah, it, it, it was a real. You know, attrition, a test of attrition for these guys out there. Holy smokes! I think, I think yeah. if there were if there were any complaints to be made, they could have made them if they didn't go out and work on the track. But yeah. to Dirtworks and Feld's credit, they continually went out and worked on the track. They fixed all the rhythm sections over and over. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, on some like on some level, the riders have to take some sort of responsibility. If that was the feeling, like, hey, this is yeah. too much, I, I would completely disagree with that. I'd just be like, hey, you got to be. Yeah, no, no, I would too. You just know how these guys are, so that's all. Yeah, I, I would just disagree with that take. I guess. Um, all right, let's get back to the lead, the lead battle. Um, it was phenomenal. Um, Roxon could not get that Dragonback section, JT. He just could not get it, and and it wasn't. It wasn't the only time. Like we saw, the focus was was on the last couple laps when Anderson was coming, but Kenny was screwing that up. He was on the far right, and he was screwing that up more times than not off that dragon and that rest of that rhythm. Uh, he could not get it, and he was searching. And it, I, he was so far to the right, and he would kind of not move off that a little bit. Like he was a little stubborn where that was where there was no ruts, and that's where he wanted to go. But man, he struggled with that section. Yeah, it was a it was a tough section. You know, they it was a dragon's back, and it changed multiple times. Like the fast line was to leave a jump early, to leave like halfway up it. Yeah, uh, and then that kind of went away, and then they were jumping off the very top, uh, and the ruts were incredibly deep um, to step onto that tabletop. And to me, without being able to see it super up close, to me it looked like one of those sections where if you rushed it and you didn't give it full respect you would end up losing time over a 20-minute race, where if you took a little bit extra time and made sure you got it right every single time, over an average, you were going to come out ahead. And that's just one perspective, but that's that's how I have seen a lot of people approach those sections is that it's a, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint, and to get it right every lap is going to put you in a better position than it is to try to rush it and be yeah. not really faster, but you're not going. You're going to be able to avoid that big mistake that maybe cost you on the last lap like that. Weege, are you surprised again that Kenny, Kenny got caught and passed late in the race? Uh, Houston was earlier than this. Obviously, this was the last lap with the four four corners to go. Um, he looked pissed last night. He he's getting close, but he looks pissed. Yeah, it's definitely different than Houston, which was still only his second race back and his first race where he got a good start and first race where he led laps. You know, I think it was a crawl, walk, run situation to start the year. But I'm sure by now, round five, if he's got the lead with a lap or two to go, he's expecting to win. But it was interesting talking about him not doing that obstacle. Uh, In the press conference after the race, he said he didn't realize that the guys were still jumping it because the guys that were jumping it were the guys generally behind him Uh Um, because, you know, he started second. So the only guy he had to watch was Seeley, and then Seeley jacked it up in there. So he basically, discretion being the part of valor, kind of what JT is saying, he said, I just decided to go inside, take no chances, and just don't do it. And what's amazing is his words describing the um, triple off that we had in uh, Glendale last week, he said almost the exact same thing. Like, he quoted himself, same thing. Last week, he didn't want to do it. He just said, I'm going to just stick to the inside, and I'm just going to not even take right. any chances. Yep. So it really does show, I think, for Roxon, who's learned the lesson more than anybody about jumping jumps in ruts, he's, I think, going to pull it back. If it's a push-pull, he's going to pull back. Uh, and we'll see in the long run if that works out better. But for sure... Um, he's going to, I think, look back at the video now and see that Anderson was doing it a decent amount of times, mm-hmm. somewhat clean sometimes, and probably be like, damn it. But we all talk about consistency. Maybe he shouldn't even be mad. Maybe he should say that was a better you know, yeah. decision on my part for the long run. Weege, are things getting overheated at the Baker's factory? Well, this is amazing because you and I spent, seriously, what, a half hour, 45 minutes uh, talking to Alden Baker last well, week? And not only that, you spent the previous three rounds, oh. you know, 
this was your team to cover. Uh, Jason Anderson's Marvin's relationship has been covered by you very, very in-depth. So never mind last week's 45-minute conversation with Alden. Look, we're going to get into, I, I, think, I think we have to take the two incidents on the track and look at them together. There's a Barsha incident with Tomac and in a, there's a, in a vacuum? incident with Anderson. In a vacuum? No, <laughs> never in a vacuum. Vacuum's ridiculous. <laughs> Especially when JT's saying no because we're talking about Barsha and Anderson. So there is no vacuum, bro. Um, my take on these things is I'm sure, as Alden says, they are wanting them to be respectful. And I'm sure if M- Marvin and Anderson are at the airport at getting a cup of coffee at 5 in the morning before their flight, everything's okay. But as I always say, you can't put calculators on the handlebars. They might think it. They might say it. They might believe it. But, dude, when the track is gnarly, Anderson's having a shit night, and he sees an opening, I think he's, he's in race mode. And I think he's just like, I'm going for it. And it doesn't matter that they've told him not to do that. And he probably, you know, looking back now, is probably like, oops, that wasn't the game plan. But these guys can't help themselves because it's a competition and they don't have calculators. Sometimes you're going on an instinct. I mean, we're going to watch the Super Bowl tonight, and when a wide receiver is going for the ball, this stuff is happening in less than the blink of an eye. Shit just happens. So I think that's part of it. That doesn't mean Marvin's going to be pumped. But it just shows, yes, I believe that they really did try to show each other respect. But in the heat of battle, shit's going to go down. Yeah, it. Uh, I mean, Marv has a right, I think, to be upset about oh, yeah. about that move. Oh, yeah. uh, um, like, it was a line that nobody took all night. Anderson, you know, slowed down and cut the bail. His front tire is not going the direction of the track. And he took Marv down. Uh, Marvin has a right to be upset. Absolutely. I. I guess that's what you do when you're coming through the pack. And, and Anderson probably knows, like, Marv sucks in these whoops. I'm going to get him right here. You know, I'm going for it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, JT, things are uh, things are overdone at the Baker's Factory. I can't get enough of these puns. I can't get enough of these puns. If you guys have any other ones, let me know. No, JT, you had the best on the text side last night. Throw it out there. I've been trying uh, Yeah. The uh, the Baker's factory preheated to 450 degrees Fahrenheit, and it's set to burn. <laughs> 450F. Yeah. Preset to 450F. Yeah. I mean, like, all I, you know, I, I said last week to Alden, and I'm sorry, Jay, yeah, I jumped in, but I said to Alden last week, I'm like, you know what? This new Jason Anderson, like, I don't think he, I don't think he'll do that. I don't think he rides like that, you know? And uh, one week later, I was proven wrong. Did you do you remember the pass that Tomac put on Marv in the heat race? Not off the top of my head. No, I'm trying to. It was in the same spot, it was pretty similar, I think. Um, what what is going on with your phone? What is? It sounds like you now you're in a submarine. Did you get Eli? It? Eli went from far go. right to far left. Yep. And pretty much the same thing, just wasn't as dramatic of an ending. Like I don't think Eli crossed as many ruts, but it was kind of the same pass. Yeah, I think he. You know what? I do remember that now. He did not go as low as Anderson across the track. Yeah, no, it wasn't as dramatic. It was the same same kind of, you know, uh, game plan. He just didn't finish it the same way that Anderson yeah. did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we've all been speculating whether there there's some tension over there. And, you know, Alden is, is basically saying that there's not and everything's fine. Uh, but I would, I would basically say at this point, if there wasn't, there would be now. Because if you're Marvin, you've got to be like, hey, dude, like, what the hell? Like, what are you doing? Why would you yep. three ruts to go at my front wheel right there? You know? Yep. Yep. No, it, uh, 
You know, I came into the season saying they're not riding together and don't give me this crap about they're not getting along because something will happen. And then I switched to that. Like, oh, Anderson looks smoother and more in control. Maybe nothing's going to happen. He's just going to. And now I'm like, oh, boy. Now things are going to be. But then, but, but yeah. wasn't, this, wasn't this what we expected? Though? Like something was going to happen? Absolutely. Yes. All of that talk is off. Like all of the naysaying and like, yeah, everything's fine, 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 because there was really no proof. Well, I think all that's all that's off now. Baker said that they still exercise together and, and do the weights and and ride together. So uh, ride the road bike together, you know. So yeah, maybe they'll do some uh, some light karate, you know, jujitsu practicing this right. week against each other. <laughs> I don't want to give you guys credit, but hey, we were in the press box at Houston, and you guys were saying Anderson's going to punt somebody. He will punt somebody, and I was like, come on, I can't guarantee that. And you two were basically like, no, he will punt somebody. Yeah, It'll probably be Marv and. It didn't even take – I mean, it's only round five. It yeah. didn't even take that long. Yeah. So you were correct. But I, I just think – yeah, I just think that's inherently in people. Like that's, They've been racing like that since they were a little kid, you know, whether it's Ventrezi or Barsha or Anderson or whatever. Like, I'm not saying it's the wrong way to go racing, but that's just how they race. So yeah. to think that they're just going to be like, yep, I'm done with that. I'm going to change 20 years of racing tactics overnight, I, I don't personally think that's – very possible, if likely. Um, now, I get, I wasn't at the press race press conference. I had a flight out, so I, ra- I ran to the pits to try to grab some guys. And I guess nobody asked Anderson in the open questions about that pass, which I find unbelievable. Well, they tried. Uh, as you know, um, the press conferences are only allowed to be 10 minutes. I, I called our guy, Aaron Hansel, who was our guy in there, and he's yeah. like, I was trying to get the microphone. I was no, trying I was, to get the well, microphone. Uh, yeah, I was getting to that story. I was getting to that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, go yeah. ahead. That's yeah, so, okay. so nobody asked him, which is unbelievable. And well, then, Hansel was trying. No, no, he was yeah. trying yeah, to yeah, get the microphone. Yes, yes. He couldn't get it. Yes. And then they cut it off. And then they cut, they cut it off. And I don't think because of that. That's not why they cut it off. It just was time. And, no, it was time. Uh, they right. didn't know what he was going to ask, but I'm saying right. no, no, reporters well, are I'm, in there I'm, still I'm, with questions. I'm asked, getting there. Yes, off. I'm getting But okay. in case people thought there was some sort of conspiracy about no, it. No, 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 no. no. Um, okay, so then Hansel said, and again, I wasn't there, but I talked to Hansel right after the race. He went up to Jason afterwards. There was a bit of an open scrum sometimes with these guys. And Hansel said, can you take me through the pass with Marvin? And Anderson said, I don't want to talk about it. Like, what? Like, I... <laughs> What? You you mean I don't I don't know I thought you got to talk about it, man. You got to you got to tell us what you think, what what went through your mind, what your thought was. Do you regret it? Are you okay with it? Like I, I didn't like that, but again, I wasn't there. So, but you have to talk about this stuff because people are going to ask. You're only going to come out better if you talk about it. Yes, Anderson's got to know that that move is going to look dirty. I think that you know that Plessinger Macarath situation last week. I think Plessinger maybe didn't know it was as bad yeah. as it looked. Yep, but Anderson has to know as soon as he hits Marvin, like, oh, crap, yeah. this is going to look bad. So at this point, the evidence is already making you look 100% in the blame. So by trying to explain yourself, you can only help yourself. Like, don't let the evidence just sit there without explaining I, I, it. I, I'm with you. I, to say I don't want to talk about that is, is mind-boggling to me. You know. But um, anyway, so this will be JT, like we talked about in Houston with Weege, and we've been talking all year. This is going to be interesting now because, you know, if that's any other rider, they're super pissed. But if it's your training partner, they're mega pissed. So this will be interesting. Yeah, I just want somebody to come out one time and hit him with a Belichick and just say, yep, we're on to San Diego. And just completely, just basically like you did, just say, I don't want to talk about it. I, I, I love that. I love it. Um, so, uh, but you know what? Here's the thing, though, guys. Like, Marv doesn't ride like that. 
if Marv goes for revenge, quote unquote, at some point in the next few weeks or something, I don't know if he'll know what to do. I don't know if uh, Marv. He just, he'll just cro- he'll just cross jump the crap out of somebody. <laughs> he just doesn't know what to do, you know. So um, ask Webb about it. Yeah. Well, great. Um, yeah, ask Cooper Webb if Marv is. <laughs> look, look, we, we we skewered Anderson here, all three of us, a little bit on that pass, but he rode amazing. Every other part of that race was was great, and. Uh, yeah, it was a really, really great, great ride. So, um, to have a horrible night, that huge know, crash in practice, not good in the heat, yeah. not looking good early in the main, to yeah. win that race on that track, that is balls on the handlebar he all did, the way. He did have the fastest lap time in his heat, though, out of the whole race, out, out oh, of okay. everybody in that race. So that was at least a little encouraging where you're like, oh, okay, you know. Yeah, you know, you know uh, Chad Reed has an interesting theory that I've heard him say over and over that when it's your year to win, things just go your way. And obviously you have to put yourself in a position to win. We all know that, but he's just always thought this. And I've, I've kind of went back and forth and looked at him sideways about it and been really skeptical, but he just, he stands by it as like, Hey man, when it's, when it's your time to win and like things, things just happen to go your way, you know, like yeah. Tomac hurting his shoulder and then Marvin hurting his shoulder. And then you just put in this heroic ride and just, you know, uh, Barsha and Tomac get together and Tomac goes down. Just well, that's... everything that can possibly happen for you to put yourself in a position just seems like it goes your way. And I don't know, you know, I, I'm just adding a, an anecdote of what how these guys look at these situations, but it certainly seems that way for Anderson. He's just doing what he needs to do, and things are falling his way every single time. Have you talked to Chad recently about that? I have not. Okay. No, I, uh, just I, check I should probably check back in, um, but I'll, I'll keep you posted. But, JT, that was kind of where I was going with the Tomac title shot thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's, Anderson's going to just be the guy now. You know what I mean? Not the guy, not rail off, you know, McGrath wins here, but you know what I mean? He is in control. He's calm. He's a, raised his game to a new level. And, and that's going to be, he's going to be like so many other guys that just jumped in. So, um, yeah, you know, you know what happens here for, and just, sorry, uh, one, one last thing. We'll, we'll move on to me with Anderson. Every time he, something happens like this, where Tomac goes down, Anderson puts in an incredible ride. That's all great, and that's fantastic, and he should he should be very, very proud of his ride last night. But the bigger picture to me is that every ride and situation that goes his way like last night is going to give him the leeway and the, the margin for error moving forward that I, I still think he's going to need at some point when he has an off night. It's going to basically negate that. Wow. So a ride like last night where it's a six-point swing for Roxon on that last lap, it gives him so much more room to have a tip over or a bad night, and that's that's really what builds the championships is, is having that cushion. Well, you know, I'm 100% in agreement with Alden and many other people that you can't make enemies and win titles. It's very, very tough. Uh, Chad yep. and Stu about the only ones that pulled it off in recent <laughs> decades, you know? Um, well, but, and just because they were so much better than everybody. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. But, uh, but Bart- Anderson's now got one. Anderson's not got one, so uh, that'll be yeah. interesting. Unfortunately, like we said, it's the guy who's least capable of seemingly to pull something off. You know, um, all right. Take that's our that's our take on that one. Take two. Uh, Barsha looked great all day. Uh, Barsha or Sealy, I was thinking we're going to win the damn thing if they if either one got the start, and Sealy did, and we saw what happened. But uh, Barsha has been doing great. He's been having a fantastic year. He got off to a a bad start, came through, and took Eli Tomac down. Um, JT, you didn't like the pass at all. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've obviously I've gone back and forth. I don't love it, and and part of it it may be not fair because 
Uh, I just think that when you're Barsha and you've had so many run-ins and your reputation is what it is, and then you come into Glendale and you, you know, you make these comments about, hey, I'm going to, you know, I, I need to kind of repair some of these relationships and that kind of racing isn't getting me anywhere. And then you, you know, you have a, a past where Tomac ends up on the ground and there's some contact and, and that's going to be all interpreted differently from everyone. And I totally get that. And then you have this cat and mouse game where you're, you know, he aimed at Sealy's, you know, front wheel a little bit. And, and luckily Sealy was smart enough to kind of cut back under and then he gives him a look over to me, it was just kind of like, are you really trying to do things differently or are you kind of the same Bam Bam that we've always known? And that's not my place to, to basically say what he does on the racetrack. Um, I just don't think it's, to me, I don't think it's the most productive or basically um, long-term success way to go about racing just because of the things we just talked about where Anderson – He's, you know, now Marv's not going to give him any, you know, any room to, to get away with anything. You know, Tomac's not going to give Barsha anything. Uh, I don't think Sealy has any, you know, there's no love loss between Sealy and Barsha at this point. So I just don't think it's the smartest way to go about winning titles. I have no experience doing that either. So take my word for what it's worth. Uh, but, yeah, I, I didn't love the pass on Tomac. I, I thought that Tom, that contact wasn't necessary, and if you need proof of that, go back and look at his pass on Sealy. He cut under him and made the pass pretty easily uh, in the same corner two or three laps later. So, um, I don't know. Whatever. Everybody's going to have their own interpretation, and obviously oh. Barsha felt differently. I would think Tomac would feel differently than Barsha did about it. So, Someone yeah. uh, someone threw, fi- threw, threw water, uh, Weege, on JT's hot takes here. Someone threw some water on it. It was... <laughs> what have you done, JT? You and I were kind of go at it on a text a little bit. Like, I, I don't know, you were not pumped, but you yeah, looked at I it mean, again I'm or trying, what? I'm trying to be objective on it, and I, I don't like that type of racing, so I'm trying to take my own personal taste out of it and look at it as fairly as I can. I don't like the move. I don't think it was necessary. I don't think you have to go in. I think you can make the pass another way, just like you did on Sealy. I think you set him up, you do the wheel tap just like you did, and you blow past him underneath him, just like he did later in the race. So, to me, uh, I think there was a little bit of, hey, this guy thinks he's going to win the title. Uh, no, not so much. You're going to be on the ground now. Uh, I don't but, know. Whatever. I, I don't you got, you got to make – I mean, everybody's got to live up live with the consequences of their moves. If Barsha – Barsha's 17 points out of the title, and I guarantee you he's thinking, I'm in this title chase. Uh, I don't think Tomac has any problem now going in and making contact now, you know, 60 plus 60 points out of the lead or whatever he is. What do you think, Weech? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see it that way. I, I saw it as like, look, dude, these, it's early in the season. Everybody's scrambling. Barsha probably thought this was my night to win, and he has a bad start. He sees an opening. He tries to make a pass. Um, I, I don't think it was Anderson level because, I mean, if you look to me, I look at it, there were several feet between Barsha and the firm or the uh, outside of the berm. He didn't go all the way wide. He didn't cut to the 75th part of the end of the turn like uh, Anderson did on Marv. Anderson also went all the way to the tough blocks, giving Marv nowhere to go. I just think it was that was Barsha's spot to make a pass. He saw the opening, and he's like, I'm going for the pass. And Tomac ended up on the ground. But I don't think that it was like, I'm going to take my chance to take Tomac down to give myself more points. I think Again, no, they don't have calculators on the handlebars. He well, just saw think, an opening and went for it. I, I don't think that. I think what you what you yeah. guys neither one of you guys have brought up is Anders Barsha did a jump, an obstacle that Tomac didn't do. Hence, I'm gaining on you. I'm going. You know, I I've made up time on you, space. 
You know what I mean? So Yes. That's that thing I'm saying about a wide receiver in the Super Bowl tonight. I've got to imagine at Barsha, he does that wheel tap. He's probably he's going to that section probably wondering, is I got this wheel tap. Let's see if Tomac doesn't do it. Tomac doesn't do it. Tomac leaves the door open. I'm sure Barsha's like, this is my chance. I've got to go for this pass now. Yeah. I, and, yeah. and to think that in that split-second type scenario that you're going to hit everything exactly perfectly to pass him, but no contact, but also get by. Like, he's just going for it. Just going for the ball. He's just going for the pass. That's all I think it was. Yeah. yeah. I, and to me, if, if you make contact with somebody and that, the guy that you make contact with ends up on the ground, I, I mean, that's going to be up to interpretation to just, to just look at it and say, yeah, nothing there. I don't know how you can. I, I would love for you guys to ask Bruce Sternstrom or ask Eli Tomac or ask John Tomac what they think about it. When you go in, there's side-to-side frame contact, and a, the guy on the outside ends up on the ground. If, if there's nothing to it, great. But I think with Barsha's reputation, when you make contact and the guy ends up on the ground, yeah, there's, I mean, it's going to be looked at a little bit differently. you got to judge these things in a vacuum. Oh, God. I completely disagree with that. Um, Barsha's been great. I don't know, man. Yeah, Weege and I think are – I'm fine with that. Barsha's yeah. been great? That's, I mean, what does that have to do with anything? Well, like not hitting anybody in, in 2018. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, like, again, he, uh, Eli didn't do that obstacle, and, and Barsha did, and so he gained a lot of time on him. And uh, I think Barsha, if you come around and you're Barsha, you can't be like, hey, I'm not going to wheel tap this thing because I don't know if he – like, you just do it. You're doing it. See ya. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I probably I – mean, I guarantee you Kawasaki's upset and, and Tomax are upset because that's how this sport works. But to me, that's, that's supercross racing right there, you know? So what Anderson did is not super cost racing to me because you are going for the outside of the turn, the exit of the turn, you are facing the wrong way of which way the track goes. Um, so that's all. Um, but, yeah, it's, hey, you you know, JT, you said it. Tomac's got nothing to lose now, so this could get really good. Like, watch out, 51, you know? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what Eli's – mindset is leaving there. I don't know how he feels about the past, but I can tell you from my experience. Oh, he feels he's pissed. It does <laughs> Yeah. No, I know, but it, if at any point in the rest of the season yes. partial door open, I will put myself through that door. Yes. With yes. Being yes, the the championship is the championship gone? Wait, hold on, let me before I assume you two are going there. Can we where are we at on that? Yeah, I mean at at this point I'm yeah, losing another 20-plus points, what twenty whatever. I don't know what place you I ended up, but 20-plus points. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to assume it's, it's dire straits at this point. Okay, so... so if you want to yeah. play that game, if, if, if I'm Eli and Barsha thinks he's going to be in the title chase oh, and yeah, you just yeah. knocked me down and now I'm not, well, let's make sure that both of us are out of the title chase now. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, Eli is going to have nothing to lose now, even more so, because he's out of the title yeah. chase. So... Um, Weege, it'll be interesting, right? Like that, uh, all those subplots of that of the Anderson, Marvin, Barsha, Tomac thing are going to be very interesting. Well, Anderson's lucky because I have a feeling that okay, we already know that Marvin is not good at retaliating in that type of sense. Plus, you know that everyone at the KTM group, which includes Husqvarna and Alden, are going to say, "Look, man, I'm sorry he did you dirty, but you can't screw his season up. You can't do it. Don't do not do it." But but Tomac and Barsha, there's none of that. So absolutely, yeah. this is gonna. I don't believe that Barsha was in the wrong, but it doesn't really matter because the judge and jury is gonna be the Tomac group, yeah. and I'm sure they feel that they were wronged. And you know what? If I'm Marv, I'm saying too bad, guys. Too bad, Husky. Too bad, Bobby Hewitt. Watch this. I'm gonna go for it. Although Mar- it's not really in Marv's character, like we said. 
Like if if uh, if, if Yamaha know, if, if Yamaha and, if Yamaha and Kawasaki are the same brands, okay, and they try to pretend they're not, but they are the same brands, and they all work together. They they, they tell us they're not. They're not. Uh, just like we said about Tomac is going to go for Barsha. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I I I don't, I don't see it. I, I've, I've hey Marv, man, like you know, just back off. Like no way, forget it. It's on now. You know. Uh, Anyways. I, 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 think, I don't think it'll happen. Uh, Baggett. I'm a little more Old Testament than some of these guys, so you know how I would handle my business. Um, well, interesting, though, JT. You say you're Old Testament, and I get that. But then you're upset at some supercross racing that leaves Tomac on the ground. Some contact no, that I'm leaves saying, a rider on the I'm ground. Saying eye for, I'm saying eye for an eye. Yeah. If you start it, then that's what's going to be retaliated against. Um, Baggett, we sh- I, I didn't go back and look. You tweeted out last night, Weege, that this is Baggett's second ever podium. Did he not get a podium last? I, I, I didn't realize. People misinterpreted what I said. I said it's his second podium in a regular stadium race. And then I said, also got one at Daytona. What I meant was, the Daytona one was also an addition to. It's oh, only the yes. second time okay. he got a podium. In a, and then I immediately had people saying, didn't he get podium in Atlanta? And I'm like, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. I, I, well, in okay, a regular I, stadium. Well, I missed it, too. So I missed that also. Oh. Um, I, I mean, why would I specify I regular don't know. stadium and Daytona? Like, well, okay, so I guess I'm, I'm just as dumb as everybody else. So anyways, everybody else, yes. Because yes. what I thought you said, what thought you were insinuating was because of these outdoor-ish conditions, Daytona and Oakland. Oh, no. That he can only no. podium on that, but he made the podium in Okay, so all right. Um, but I'm still saying that as much as he gets a podium, to me it's still a big deal. Like I think because he did well outdoors and he was good coming into the season that people are like, oh, yeah, another podium for Baggett. And I'm like, actually, it's only the second time in his life that yes. in a non-Daytona he's actually even done it. It's only the second time ever. I, big brought, deal. I brought it up to him last night, Weege. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise that, I mean, he got a start, which he hadn't gotten outside of that Triple Crown thing. He He's not really gotten a great start in the mains. Um, but I, that those track conditions – they favor a guy like Baggett, and I hate to say, you know, motocross conditions, but they were a bit motocrossy, and and it's, I don't think it's a surprise that Baggett got third. Like that's that's a good track. He's in shape, you know. Like, not a surprise that Baggett made the podium on that track last night. His good races have definitely been. I mean, some of those Indianapolis races and Seattle's, he certainly goes to another level in those conditions for sure. Um, JT, not the Teddy. How do you feel about Ben Freezy? Oh boy. Um, well, well, you guys got to interpret that because okay, I'm watching on TV and we just saw Baggett closing on Anderson and then he's just gone, so no one saw this. Okay, so wait. Please explain what happened. I did not see this thing with 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 Baggett and Freeze, so I'm not talking about that. But I got a lot of other thoughts on Freeze. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, JT, uh, it was it was really 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 bad. Well, there goes his fly ride. Good job, Vince. You were in fly for two weeks and. Yeah, now you're gonna get it I mean, taken away. That's that's crossing crossing lines as far as my professionalism and my opinion. That's not gonna happen. But my opinion of watching the race was I don't know what the hell he was doing out there. Well, he took Brayton down on the last lap and that they were not happy with each other. And and he, that so, was after he ghost rode his bike in the rhythm section. Well no, here's the thing. He was out of his element, Donnie. Like he wasn't doing this on purpose. He was struggling that bad with that track like Brayton's like yeah dude he jumped from the far left all the way to the right hand side of the track and cleaned me out like Freeze is not trying to clean Brayton out he's trying to ride better he's trying to be smarter he he crashed five times he was already in like 19th or dude something. he no he was really struggling with the track it was not a good 
night for him. And so I don't know about the Baggett thing, JT. I didn't see any of that. I didn't notice that. But every other time I saw him, he was out of control. And he took. I saw the Brayton thing. Like, I don't think he could ride that track. And so The Baggett, the Baggett thing, he did not move or attempt to wet Baggett by for a lap and a half minimum. But on purpose? Like, look back? Yeah. and I, I don't know. I don't know if it was on purpose or he just doesn't know how to handle race situations or what. But I'm telling you, anyone that saw it that was paying attention, uh, I mean, my, the other group texting him, like 15 industry people, everyone from Lars Lindstrom to Paul Parabinos to people that were at the race and not, were all sad. I wasn't even in texting. I was too mad to even text. They are just like, oh, my God, is this guy serious? If I'm Blake, I kill him after the race. Like it was, it was really bad. It wasn't like he was riding dirty or anything to him. He just would not get out of the line. Like pulled up next to him, but races him all the way through the line. Down the next rhythm section, takes the main line, races him all the way through the line, and this goes all the way through for at least a lap and a half. Yep. It was. I mean, I, I seriously was scared that Forrest was going to do something drastic after the race. I really was. All right. I, I didn't see it. I, I saw him ate shit, though, over and over and over. And then at some point. Yeah, that was, that was after all that. That yeah. was after the bag of things. Um, yeah. At some point, it looked like Cunningham was knocked out. He was dead at the side of the track. And then I looked over, and 30 seconds later, he's on his bike riding. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anyways, uh, West. Oh, just explain did this see, real did quick. Did you see Ghost ride his bike? Uh, Go ahead. Where? Like on the, the yeah on the towers crashed. Yeah, same spot. Yes, I saw that. Yes. And what I just want to know this again. There? You couldn't see it on TV. When did this Freezy and Baggett situation happen? Like, was that when Baggett was close to Anderson? Is that why Baggett lost uh, the round? Yeah, about four laps ago. Yeah. Something like that. Because all I know is at one point Baggett, who had been passed by Anderson, and Anderson had pulled away, closed back in, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And the next thing you know on TV, he's back down three seconds on Anderson. I'm like, what happened? So that was – I don't yeah. want to say that that's why the race – Anderson won. But Freezy was a factor there? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it was I, – I don't know how to say this with the right words to tell you without just coming on. I mean, it was – it was simply incredible. I mean, I – yeah, there's, there's no way to tell you. I mean, he, okay, here's an example. So it was on lap 20. 20 and 21 that he gets behind him, he went from doing a 54 to a 57. That was, that was, that's brutal. And that was that was the race. I mean, that well, was the race. There was, I think Vince had a meeting with the FIM last night after the race about a few things. So um, maybe that. Wait, was, so we have Barsha knocking down Tomac and Anderson knocking down Marv and Freezy getting talked to by the uh, officials at the end of the night. Yep. Yep. And we're back. We're back, everybody. And a team, a team manager, and a photographer getting very heated about some space, uh, about some podium photographer space or something. I don't know, but it's like a full moon or something. Like I don't know. It's a couple of people in the industry were. I thought they were going to swing at each other. So yeah, it was. Uh, it was an exciting race. Why well, get a lot of things happening. Um, well, just the standard characters getting back in all in one night. <laughs> right, right, right. It's like a Royal Rumble. They're in, in your term, Wygant. They're all. Yeah, they just couldn't. Well, no, like your tiger. What, if you have a pet tiger. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's gonna get you. He's gonna get you. Right. Um, mm -hmm. JT, how many times did Pike almost buy the farm in the first five laps? Oh my God. 
Weston Pike. The only person I saw that was sketchier than Weston Pike in the first five laps was Jeff Pettis, who was the scariest person I've ever seen on a super crash track in my life. And Easy, I've, I've bro. Seen a lot of people. Easy, bro, yep. on the Canadian yep. I hero. By, I stand by it. I stand by it. Pike was going for it, and he was clipping things, coming up short. If it Did was, you watch Jeff Pettis? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not talking okay. about Jess Pettis. He didn't make the main event, so it's like I'm not. I'm, I'm kind of moving on a little bit. I'm saying I'm talking about the the only thing I've ever seen as sketchy as that was, was that that was the only comparison I have. If Pike was not that strong, he would have ate it 14 times. But he just oh yeah, but that's that's his mo. Oh, I mean, that's dude. been him. That's been his whole career. He, if he wasn't Weston Pike, he would have hurt himself a hundred times over. Boy, man, I don't know. Could they show it much on TV? Why? Why Oh, the first few laps. He, it was much like last week. It was awesome. It was yeah. spectacular. I, I immediately tweeted. I said, watching Pike get these starts and go NFG on the first few laps is awesome. Yeah. Like he's Not only is he not afraid you know, to run that pace, whatever it takes, whatever risk he needs to take, but also as far as passing the dudes, he doesn't care. Like if you pass him, he'll just try to pass you back. He does not care. And you can tell watching those laps, you're like, this is not – he's not going to finish second. Like he's not going to – Pull this off no. for 20 minutes, but he does not care. He's no. going to try. No, it was good. And uh, Josh Grant, for about a lap and a half, it looked like somebody was hitting the nitro button on him on those Excite Bike games. Like, or on the, I should say the Ivan Stewart truck game. Remember the Ivan Stewart truck arcade game? Oh, yes, one of my faves. It looked like someone was just going, pounding the nitro button on Grant for a lap and a half until he just. Just spun out, and, and, and it was all over. But he blew by Tomac. He scrubbed a triple. He blew by another guy. He went Mach 5 in the whoops, and then he just... <laughs> it was like someone... He was so fast for, like, two laps, lap and a half. It was amazing. But I, I think it was one of those things where we talked about at the beginning of this show was that you couldn't override the track, and you had to respect it. And if you didn't respect it, there was plenty of evidence for what happened. You see Bowers do a backflip. You see... Uh, Vince Breezy shoot his bike into the middle of the empty Cun- Cunningham, right. Cunningham, everything. Yeah, Cunningham. Yeah. I mean, you just could not ride that way without abiding you. The race is too long. Yep. Um, speaking of Bowers, he was good all day long, and he was tenth with one minute to go. And then we saw what happened. And his face. Do you guys see his face after the race? Yep. Oh God, he looked like Tyson just went to town on him. Um, bummer, <laughs> bummer for Bowers for sure. He was really good. My typically, fan- typically is. Typically, if you ever see Bowers' face like that, you're going to want to see the other guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was gnarly. So uh, he was good. Heartbreak for him and, and for my fantasy team also, by the way, um, which we just not want to hear about. We just not want to hear it. That's all you guys care about. It's so dumb. <laughs> it's not all we care about, but. No, I think it is. I, I think it is, actually. That's the fever. That's the fever. <laughs> Like, this race had, okay, we're saying right now, as JT started this call, so many things to talk about. No lack of topics at all. And I feel like the text thread that used to be about racing is now all about, I, my, my team scored this, my team scored that. And I'm like, who gives a crap about everybody points? What about Marvin Anderson? <laughs> you mad, bro? we should be talking about Jeff Pettis. You mad, bro? <laughs> Michael Lieb. Oh, Michael Lieb. Oh, Michael Lieb. Um... <laughs> What else? Uh, Alex Ray is good, man. He just—he's good. JT, like he is—he rode him. He's riding himself. He's into the into the mains with with starts and the heats, and he's aggressive. And it's a brand new A Ray. And uh, who would have known? Who would ever thought? So he's he's doing well. 
He's definitely doing well. Um, he didn't have any huge get-offs, which I was really impressed with because, man, that track would bite you. So uh, for a guy that tends to crash more than he doesn't, uh, nice job of him by using his head and, and kind of staying within his own self on that tough of a track. Um, I got an interview with Chad Reed after the race yesterday. And, um, yeah, man, like he's he's frustrated. The L, you know, the LC, he's not in fitness. He's not in shape. He, he said that 14 times about it. he's not in shape. He's not able to, to, to be in shape. And so going to the LCQs is making it worse, you know. Um, but he had his best, he had his best finish of the year. And I don't think that's a surprise. Why again? Because he, you know, he just, like JT said, back it down 5%, 10%, whatever, and, and do the laps. And Chad's smart enough to do that. Well, I also think the difficult tracks, whether it be ruts or just a track that's more technical, it just it's going to favor the guys with skills. And no matter what, Chadbury might be older, he might be hurt, he might not be in shape, he might be on a privateer effort, but the dude just has skill. And he probably laughs half the time when he's out there battling dudes, like how they're hitting stuff incorrectly and he's nailing it perfectly. He just has skill and talent, and yep. occasionally, even in his reduced state at the moment, he can still show it. Yep. Um... Benny Bloss, JT, is crashing a lot. Yeah, I mean, he, he was – I thought he was riding pretty well all day. Like, at heat race, he rode really well. Anderson didn't pass him until the last lap. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's he's a guy that, you know, he he's riding probably a little bit harder than he should. Yeah. You know, he's third coming into the season. Uh, and on that track, man, I mean, as, if we learned anything last night, that track would bite. He's the best of everyone, so yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, but I think he's still riding himself in the shape a bit too. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, Glendale, you know, I think he went down to two out of three practices. He went down in the main. His heat was very yeah. good. That might have been the best we've seen him all year since A one. His brief yeah, appearance in one. Do you remember seeing him ride at Gillette Stadium? Uh, it'll be coming up on two years ago this year when we go to Gillette. He crashed. I don't yeah. know times in the main event. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think that he has a little bit of a crashing thing he's going to have to work through, you know, to have any longevity. Yeah. But yeah, he on a track like that, it seems like it, it reaches up and bites him. And I don't know if it's the long legs that you know get dragged off the bike, or he catches his foot in ruts because he you know probably wears a size 15 shoe or something. Uh, but it definitely seems like in those conditions he crashes quite a bit. Um. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah. It was something. Hey, that fourth of the LCQ was nutty too. Like Weimer and Ted's, I thought they had it. They were locks and oh, poor Weimer. Oh, they fell apart, and, and then uh, Lemay rode himself into position. You know, it was a, it was a really exciting four fifty LCQ. Also, um, okay, uh, anything else for four fifty wise? Move on. Anything? Moving on. Move we're on. on to San Diego. We're on to San Diego. All right, everybody, listen to this commercial from Race Tech and uh, Max's Tires, and we'll be right back to talk more about two fifty in Oakland. Uh, thanks to Fly Racing. Alpine Stars and Max's Tires, and uh, we'll be right back after this break. Race Tech suspension and engines, people. Pulpamex 18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race Tech specializing in high performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race Tech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team. And many more in the pits use Race Tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulpamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. 
Maxxis tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. And we're back. FlyRacing.com. Please check them out on the web. Uh, the, the gear, the helmets, everything else, the snow line, the watercraft line, the street line, the mountain bike line, flyracing.com has got a lot more than just gear and, and, and parts for the motorcycle. Uh, they've got a lot. And so please check out flyracing.com for everything on there. And also, too, we want to thank Alpine Star Protects. Justin Barsha uses Alpine Star Protection products, and he might need it in the coming weeks. And also, too, Max's tires, the MX ST tire developed by who? Jeremy McGrath. Why can't you know my love of Jeremy McGrath? Absolutely. I mean, you will bend anything you need to to fit the narrative. <laughs> he is. He's a fantastic champion that we've had, and uh, he's a hell of a guy. And he's developing an MXST tire for the folks at Maxxis. All right, 250s. Uh, Plessinger won again, and that's good. We'll talk about that. But congrats to JGR. Uh, Justin Hill rode really well. Uh, was second until late in the race. Savachi got him, but they got podium. Like, look, there's no chance... Uh, Weege, I'll go with you. There's no chance that JGR would have said, oh, yeah, one podium through five races is good. But you know what? This is a start, and Hill was very good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have the number one plate, the idea is. The goal is to defend it. That's not going to happen. But it at least shows that all these weeks of them saying, we're not as far off as you think. He just needs a start. He just needs some confidence. It just needs something. It can happen. You know, Apparently that was correct. Like, he just needed something. I'm sure he didn't all of a sudden learn how to ride 20% better in one week, especially because he didn't ride like apparently everyone in the class. They were all sick for some reason. Maybe they're back to the clubbing days of 1990s, and they're getting all these germs from each other. But he didn't even ride all week. So it's not like he gained something. He just, like he actually had said, I guess he just needed a start and to quote-unquote put it together. And he did. So that's got to feel really good. And maybe, maybe there's a chance that, hey, we never had a factory 250 program, and we never ran it out of North Carolina, and it took us four or five races to figure it out. Maybe there's a chance. And in a short series, four or five races is way too many. What did you see from, uh, from Hill, JT? You know, it's been, a, it's been a tale of two Justin Hills this season. There was the Justin Hill from A1 and partially Glendale, and then this weekend where he looks aggressive, he looks fast, he looks like... I don't know if he looks exactly like the Justin Hill of 2017, but he looks like he's capable of doing well and aggressive. But then there's the Justin Hill of Houston where he doesn't look even like he's a top 10 guy. And I mean, he was struggling to get through rhythm sections and couldn't blitz the whoops. And I'm not really exactly sure what he was doing at Houston, to be honest with you. Uh, So yeah, this was much more of what we expected, you know, whether he can win races, I think was highly debated. Um, But if he rides like that, you know, even if he doesn't win races, if he's yeah. inconsistent for podiums, I think JGR would be, you know, they'd be okay with that. Eight-point lead over for Plessinger uh, over Savachi, and he had to pass um, – did he pass both guys? Or did he just pass Craig? I'm trying to remember. I haven't watched the He passed Savachi. He did pass Savachi. So I was going to yeah. say, so uh, Plessinger's figuring this out. That was a good track for him, though, Wygant. That's what we talk about, his strength, Houston. Um, you know, Glendale was not typically – 
any anyone there. But uh, this was a, a track right up his alley and eight point lead. Uh, he's figuring it out. I like I like Pleasanger to bring this thing home. I know it's uh, still a lot more racing to go, but uh, I, I like it. Yeah, the track does favor him, no doubt. But you know that's part of it. You know, if there's several tracks that he can just dominate and come from way back and pass everybody, uh, that's a huge feather in your cap. And I don't know, at this point, that class was so tight that doesn't it have a little bit of the same thing we're saying about Anderson right now? Where you're like, oh, he is really beginning to establish himself as a step ahead of all these other guys. That's what it looks like to me. Yep. Could change, but. Yep. JT, do you agree? Uh, yeah, I really liked McElrath to find a way to make this happen, but with yep. his. You know, uh, 15 last night, I think that swings pretty heavily towards Plessinger at this point, it's especially when you look at Seattle and Salt Lake to kind of wrap this title up. On You know, that's gonna those tracks are going to favor Plessinger, no doubt. Um, what happened to McElrath? I don't even get it. He I'm fell confused. in the first turn. Right. Yep. And then did he have a and bike he issue? He crashed in the rhythm. No, he crashed in the rhythm section pretty pretty good. No, but I think he, he pulled in the mechanics area at some point. He did. He yeah. was in the mechanics area, too. There yeah. was like 19 things, and then yeah. he went back out. And then he went in the rhythm section. Yeah, he, yep. he crashed pretty hard, though. Yeah. So I uh, guess he went in for some repairs after the first turn crash. Then he went back out, and then he went down to that rhythm. So um, what was wrong with Plessinger at the end of the night? Because it briefly, I saw him laying on the ground. Yeah, he was sick coming into the weekend. So... Uh, they, Exhaust, exhaustion, basically. So he just fell down? Uh, yeah, I think he, I mean, they were kind of holding him up. I think he was just basically spent. Oh, wow. Anything, Did, yeah. Was he at the press conference? I don't know. Yeah, he was, but he rolled the finish line. Like, he, yeah. he couldn't even jump the finish line. Then when he goes across, you see him, like, almost falling off the bike. Yep. And like I said, Hill was sick, too. I don't know what's going on in that class, but uh, we said that class is very close, maybe too close. Um, I... <laughs> <laughs> They've been partying in Temecula. Yeah, has anybody thought? Has anybody looked into that? Maybe. Um, Maybe. I I thought uh, I thought Craig was going to win, man. Uh, technical rider, technical track. Whoops, were tough. He's good. At, uh, he was in the lead. I would have put some. I I don't think it was a lock. It was an lead pipe block. But I would have put money on Craig winning. JT, I really would have. Man, I don't know. I just haven't seen. Uh, Craig's an incredible rider. He's one of the most technically skilled riders in the class, if not the most. But I just haven't seen the killer instinct from him to be able to close a race like that out. I haven't seen it yet. And until he can find that extra little bit that it takes to just, when he's got everything going his way, he's got the lead, he's got everything where he needs it to be, he just can't find a way to to seal the deal. And until he finds that, uh, I don't see it happening. Amart came back, led some laps. (laughs) Welcome back. Oakland's good for Amart. Amart's got good Oakland vibes. Podium there on the Cycle Trader team, so uh, that'd be encouraging for sure. I mean, that was yep. you know hasn't it hasn't gone well, and to get out there and and lead laps and be in the mix, um, that's that's a good way to basically kickstart your series again. Yep. AC got a crash and do seventh. Said he felt really good after that and was riding really well, but you know obviously he came from from dead last. So he tried to pull the uh, the Jason Lawrence Daytona in the first turn. He got bumped around and then. He ended up on the inside of the tough blocks, mm-hmm. and I think for a moment it was like, oh, my God, this might work. I'm going to try. And then he rode over one of the tough blocks, and then he crashed. And then, I don't know what, him and Phil were just down again. Yeah. At the end of the rhythm, uh, Phil locked bars <laughs> with Harrison and then uh, went down pretty good, says he doesn't really blame Harrison, this racing incident, and then AC Pyle drove into him. And Phil's interview with on me. On purpose? 
No, no, no. Um, <laughs> uh, Phil's interview with me after the race, I, I probably shouldn't have even done it. You want to you want to listen to somebody who's banged up, depressed, angry? Go listen to that post race interview I did with Phil. Oh, is that any different than any other one? No, never? it's 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 worse. It's worse. Oh, it's worse. Oh. Uh, I want you folks to look. We, we, we post the highlights. Uh, FS1 puts out highlights from both classes. And JT, Phil Nicoletti has now joined the Pantheon. If you watch the 250 highlights, voiced by Ralph Sheen and Jeff Emig, it was, and then, Cian Cirulo and another rider down in this corner. Yeah, that was unfortunate for Cian Cirulo. But up front, Christian Craig. The 54. The 50, That's Thomas. The 54? That's Thomas. <laughs> well, it was 47, I was saying. For oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes, so <laughs> Stu and Cincerillo are down, and some other rider, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. right. That's Thomas. After like five minutes. I was the second rider, I was the second rider on the grassy knoll. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, AC's out of this thing. He's my pick, but he's uh, – He's twenty five points down, guys, and he's got to jump jump three guys. So, or, or not? He's not out of it. Is, are we going to go around and around again on that, or are we going to finally? No, I, he's going to need a lot of help. Go with for sure. Steve with three Mav- guys, I don't like it. Steve Mathis's he, word here. He did come from like eighteen down to almost win the title in one race at Vegas last year. So yeah, yeah. There I'm, you uh, go. Remember when he actually screen, we actually put the math of what it would take for him to win the title, and then he screenshot it and texted it to us and said, "Ha ha! Can you imagine this happening?" And then it almost did. <laughs> it almost did, yeah. <laughs> um, most bizarre sighting of the uh, of the night was uh, seeing Tim Ferry there. Uh, the only race that would have been longer flight for him would uh, be Seattle, but he decided to take uh, come to Oakland, and uh, he works. He's worked with Hayden Melross, and he just said he was there to help Melross out, and then. He said, you watch, he'll have his best race of the night because I'm here. And then uh, Mel Ross got 10th. So, good job, Red Dog. So it was got great. Seven, you got 7th today, too, right? Uh, it was, yeah, it was great to see Timmy, though. It was really good. We had Chipotle at Reed's, at Reed's place. It was fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and he said, he, oh, he, he, I'm like, uh, how would you fly here? He's like, I just want to go direct. I just, the first thing that went direct, six hours. It was Frontier Airlines. He said he said the seat was unbelievably hard, and I said, "Why don't you just fly like Delta?" No, nope, I just want to get here. I'm like, "Okay, you're super weird, bro." So, anyways, um, what else? Uh, Dakota Alex pulled out JT. I was surprised to see him because he's got a wrist or a thumb injury or something. I was surprised he was racing to be honest, and then he pulled out in the main event. Yeah, when he left, uh, he left Anaheim too. I thought that was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I didn't expect to see him again, like until maybe the last couple West Coast rounds. But uh, apparently, it wasn't as bad as they thought, and uh, he was able to ride some this week and and at least get back on the track anyway. Yep. Um, am I missing something? What else stood out for two fifty wise? Anything else? Mm, Oldenburg. Oh yeah, Oldenburg uh, didn't didn't race the. Uh, he crashed into heat, got a foot peg in his elbow. Did you guys see that photo on social media? I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, yeah, so I don't know how long he'll be out for, but it was a deep gash. One of those gashes where you're like, yeah, dude, you don't need to show us that. So. <laughs> uh, you think Celia and, Craig, Celia and Craig are like bros and they do all their riding and training together? Oh, boy, yeah. I, the, the exact same thing happened to both of them. <laughs> yeah, really, right? Yep. <laughs> they were both leading. Everything was going good. Who's? And they both threw it away. Who should be more depressed? 
You know, I bet you Sealy is only because, you know, it's the 450 class and it's just that much more big of a deal. Yeah. But let's be honest. I mean, I'm sure if you're Sealy, you're like, I had it. But, I mean, Roxham is there a second and a half behind. There are no guarantees. And Plessinger was coming. There's no guarantees that they either was going to win. But I'm sure if you're them, you're not like, well, I'm going to fade and the guys are going to catch me. Like, I'm sure they're thinking, if I got the lead, I got this thing. Um, so I'm sure they're both on. But I guess Sealy, hey, it's 450s. That means more, right? Yep. And, and Taft didn't make the main. So, one week after. What Taft was it? type. Yeah. Was, he, was he six at Glendale? Rode really well, right? Six, I think? Yep. Um, yeah. And then didn't make the main. Welcome to yeah. 250 class. For sure. Right. What I was saying about uh, Carmichael was after they settled in like half a lap into the start and Roxham was second and Sealy was in the lead. Carmichael immediately tweets at Ken Roxon ninety four will win this race. I was like, oh, oh, somewhat bold, but not really bold. Yeah. Not really bold to see Roxon get a second place start. I'm like, you're trying to make it look like you're just putting it out there, but <laughs> I mean, uh, come on, right. second place start. I think a lot of people would say that. But then he didn't win, and then he had to really think it was a, think it was bummed because he put his balls on the line and made that prediction and it didn't work out. Had it until he made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, so that's my point. When Sealy was leading, what did you guys think? You're like, Sealy's got this, or was uh, Roxham close I, enough? I, I wouldn't have bet like my house on it or anything else. Like, I, w- I felt more confident that uh, Roxham was going to win Houston than I did Sealy was going to win uh, uh, Oakland. But I, yeah. with, with Sealy being so fast all day and Sealy winning the Heat, I'm like, yeah, for sure, you know? So. I just thought that the track was going to deteriorate too much, and there, the track was going to change so much that something was going to happen, and, yeah. and that sucks to say. And it's, I don't, I just had a feeling that what we saw early in the race yeah. is not going to be the same we saw late in the race because the track would be so much different. Um, honestly, looking at the 450 main event, like who didn't crash? Anderson, Roxon, Baggett, Barsha, uh, Barsha, Webb. Uh, Chad, I, A-Ray. A-Ray, seven guys, I'm not sure about LeMay, probably, seven guys out of 20 did not hit the ground. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm not exactly 100% sure on Tickle. I think he did Brayton? go. Brayton? Oh, yeah, no, at the end with Freeze. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. <laughs> uh, Tickle, maybe not. I don't know. I don't recall seeing him on the ground, but it was pretty ama- pretty remarkable. I haven't seen anything. We are still waiting on Tickle. We're still waiting. Oh, just you wait for Wednesday's column. Okay. I'm waiting for that then. It'll be still waiting. It'll, that's, I'll give you a preview. It'll be still waiting. I mean, those are his conditions, too. Yeah. I think, I, I, I mean, you got to be bombed if you're Brock. There's no, and Roger DeCoster and Ian and those guys. We haven't no. seen anything yet. No. Not any, I, not I any hole shots and, and lead laps or, or anything. He's the same guy. So, I I agree, and I mean this what? is this is Ryan Dungey's replacement essentially. Wow, easy. Not that they, easy. I don't mean the expectations yeah. are there, but he's he's the guy that took Dungey's place on the team on the bike with the training program and all that. So the expectations, I know they didn't expect him to win the title like Dungey did, but you don't get much mm-hmm. free pass. Yeah, many mulligans with that. The, the Zach Osborne theory so far not really working out. I mean, it's tougher class yeah. and all that, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, we just haven't seen the improvement. I think is what yeah. what is more yeah. 
the issue. Alex Ray was after the race was telling me, how pissed do you think Bogle is when he's behind me all the time? The last two weeks, he's probably like, who is this guy in heats and mains? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, probably, A. Ray. Probably. Um, all right. I'm good. Yep, we're good. Super we're Bowl Sunday. Diego. Yeah, we're, we're on to San Diego. Let's, before we wrap, the two passes we talked about, Barsha on Tomac and Anderson on Muscan. Out of a scale of 1 to 15, in honor of Tim Ferry, who was there, and it was, and we had Chipotle together like buddies, um, how bad were the passes? Like, from, let's put um, Freeze on Pike as maybe a 14. Yeah? Right? As bad? As dumb? A clean out? Or is there one that I'm missing? Is there, is there... Uh, Alessi on Tickle in Atlanta that year. Okay, or what about Chad on Stu? That's the, wor- that's the worst. The, the Alessium tickle was the worst I've seen in a long time. Chat on Stu, ATL. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm nowhere near that with the, the Alessium tickle was the worst I've seen in a long time. Okay, so that's a that's a 15 on a scale. Yeah. And, and so let's go. Let what do we where do we rank those two passes uh, on a on a on a wow like a train wreck car wreck I I don't want to you know we shouldn't have saw that type deal to to like it's just racing where are we at on that. Uh, Barsha on Tomac, I'm a five. Um, Anderson on Muscan, just because of the angle. It was really slow. It wasn't like a, a dangerous pass, like contact or anything like that. But I'll say just the angle he had to take, I'll say more like a seven or an eight. Yeah, I'll go ten on Anderson's and, and five on uh, on Barsha. I'm very disappointed, JT. It's like you've watched the pass a bunch more times and you, you, you're you no, tampering just, your I'm t- trying to hot be, takes. I'm trying to be – somewhat objective to it and not let my own personal thoughts on how racing should go come into it. All right. Weege. Yeah, I'm pretty much where you are, Matt. It's the, the five and the ten. Um, I don't know. I, I just keep watching. It's Barsha pass over and over, and to me it looks like he just turned. Like he went in the corner, he turned. He didn't go wide. Yeah. He just turned. Yeah. So I can't really go that nuts it, on it. Unfortunately, um, unfortunately, there was someone in that line, and you had, he turned off of them. The, the reason I go uh, instead of a five, instead of a two, is because Tomac ended up on the ground, and that is not the objective of passing someone in the Supercross race. But it, no, it, I, the only reason he turned even cl- the only reason he was able to turn that tight was because he bounced off of them. So a five. So actually, my evidence of he didn't go all the way to the outside is actually because Tomac was there. Yeah, it's physically impossible. <laughs> all right, maybe I need to upgrade that one. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks to anything else, boys. Is that it? On to San Diego, or are we just not going We're again? Good. We just not going again. I, I just want to. I just want to say a note. That if everybody could keep up this kind of racing, I would really appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be great. I'm a little worried. I mean, it's the beginning of the season, man, and. This is usually how most seasons begin, and this is what happens. Like the gate yeah. drops in that race, and if you're Sealy, Roxon, uh, a Baggett, Anderson, Marvin, Barsha, every one of those guys is like, I got this, I got this, I can win this race, I can win this race. And unfortunately, you just don't have those feelings by round twelve in most years. I, I still think they can. I think they can. I don't think Anderson's that much better than everybody. I, I don't. Well, I don't mean these particular guys, but that's just how seasons tend to work. They all start out on the first race thinking, this is my year, these are my races, and then someone, the confidence just ebbs and flows. You just don't see that hungry pack of guys thinking, tonight's my night, I feel at round 12 like you do at round 5. I wish we did. Um, 100% chance that I think Tomac tries to clean Barsha out and probably successful, so that's going to be great to watch in upcoming weeks. 
Um, wouldn't you guys put put that percentage at 100? I would love to see it. I hope so. <laughs> I want to see, not so much that I want to see him take him out. I just want to see both of them going at each other. That would be great fun. Um. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. And then, Max. Tell Max a quiet guy, but he he certainly knows how to do it. Oh, he yeah. did it to Chad once. It was it was textbook block pass. And fifty uh, percent chance that Marv tries something on Anderson, and maybe it goes horribly wrong, and Marv ends up in a net. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I think Marv will try something, and it, it's not going to work, and he doesn't know what to do. I mean, he put gear on with cats on it. Like, you got to wonder about somebody who puts gear with cats on it on their body. I am. I am. I am probably the most disappointed of anything I've been the whole season in Marvin's opening ceremonies video. I, w- I want to throw that out there. Oh, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I've been meaning to, to touch on it. Of anything I'm disappointed in this entire season, it's, it's Marvin's opening ceremony. I, I can't even recall it right now. What, what is it? Me neither. It's the, the eat, eat well, train hard, ride good, hit boards, and it's just, it's not good. <laughs> You don't know. Have you I, seen this? I don't think I've. I think I've literally not even watched it or paid attention. Or the, the, I mean, I think I, te- I text you every week about it. How much it annoys me and bothers me. There's all these great videos. The read one with the Iron Man stuff and the family, and then uh, j- just every one of them yeah. has a dangle. Yeah. That one is like, well, we don't really have any ideas. So let's just have Matilda with a pit board saying, "Eat well." Yeah. And- <laughs> That's right. I do know what yeah. you know, that the tra- Yeah, she's yeah. Yeah, I just I'm very underwhelmed. Wow, look, JT, you can't get into it because you work at Fly Racing, but I'm underwhelmed by Thor putting cats on gear. Well, so, I'm sure you know how I feel about that. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm saying I, I just for me to talk about. If yeah. I'm Marvin, I'm like, uh, no, no, not wearing that. So, well, my what I had to say about it was first time I saw it, I said, "You got to be kidding me!" But <laughs> yeah, right. I was willing to go. Right. Okay. All right. Um. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. We're on to San Diego. Fly Racing. Racer X podcast presented by Alpine Stars and uh, Max's Tires as well. Uh, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas. Thanks, boys. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. 
I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely, 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, 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 hey,